truth unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. Finally, finally, we're not seeing triple digits in that weather. Finally, we're starting to see some normalcy again for the summer. It could still be warm, but it doesn't need to be as warm as it has been. And boy, oh boy, is it nice to see some of that rain coming through last night and this morning. What's up? Welcome into it. Happy Saturday morning to you. Trying to kick off another wonderful weekend, a wonderful Saturday morning to you here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 10 at not. When I, boy, oh boy, that's a flashback to the past there. 99.7 HD4. If you have that HD radio, you can find us on the FM dial there. No other FM, 99.7 HD4. Also, our friends out in Garden City at 1240 KIUL in Garden City, Kansas. Great to have you along for the ride today again as well for another wonderful Saturday morning. I was enjoying the rain immensely driving in this morning. I woken up, I don't know, 4 or 5 o'clock this morning when the power went out briefly with some of the loud booming outside, which to me means I get to curl up even more and just sleep even harder. So that was hard to get up this morning after that because it was nice. I enjoy that quite immensely. So welcome into it. we got a big show lined up for you today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We have drama within the state Republican Party that is a cause for concern going into a major election year. We have support for our elected officials here in Kansas and the Mid-America region that we'll talk about for a second as well. Bottom of this hour, we have Congressman Tracy Mann from the big first district in the western portion of the state. Also, our number two state representative, Leo Delperdang, will be in studio as he is working on some of the utilities and energy issues going on in the state. We'll talk about some high prices and investigations and things going on when it comes to our utilities and our electricity and all of our energy usage across the state. How are we faring in the extreme hot that we've seen over the past couple weeks? And do we have any reserves left? Or are we in the same boat as California, Texas, other places where they have been struggling just to maintain and could potentially see even rolling brownouts and blackouts? Because, well, let's go alternative energies and then, oh, no, Our alternative energies can't keep up with the demand that we have for electricity. But you should put more things on electricity like electric vehicles and other things as such. So we'll get to all that throughout the program today. I do want to ask you a question right out of the gate, though. Is There was a poll that we saw yesterday on the national front saying that if Donald Trump is officially charged with the January 6th indictments that he has up against him now in the court cases, which you can speculate all you want to about those and whether they're legitimate, whether they're just trying to keep him off the campaign trail, whether they're desperate to try and keep him out of the White House again. However you may feel about it, I ask you a simple question. Is if he is officially charged through the courts, now he probably won't see any actual jail time because he has Secret Service protection being a former president of the United States. But if he's convicted and if they charge him and if he has to pay a fine, if he has a felony on his record, uh, if they actually solidify, yes, you were at fault for the January 6th, which I don't know how they can do. And we can talk about that later on. Would that change your support for Donald Trump? If you support him, would you walk away from him? 
if you don't support him, would you continue to walk away or would you actually go along with Donald Trump in that sense? Uh, obviously, his poll numbers continue to increase every time that he gets charged with something or he gets indicted with something. So uh, his poll numbers continue to rise. He's still dominating the Republican field right now in the latest polls all over the nation. Ron DeSantis continuing his spiral downward. We have Vivek Ramaswamy that's uh, moving upward into the second place position. In fact, he's already tied with Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida. But I ask you, the Kansas voter right now, early on, over a year out before the election, what is your stance on the Republican presidential race? And if Donald Trump is actually convicted and he has a felony on his record, would that change your mindset of either supporting Donald Trump or not supporting Donald Trump where you currently are? Because the latest poll shows that 50% of registered Republicans would walk away from Trump if he's actually convicted on these charges. 50%, which means he's done. Finito. Now, at the same time, the Wall Street Journal also ran a story earlier this week saying that someone who has had such high support and strong support this early on in the primaries uh, have never lost the primary races within their political party. So if Donald Trump continues with the momentum that he has, he's already essentially locked in the presidential nomination moving forward if things continue on like they historically have before. But Donald Trump is a little bit different beast. Donald Trump's a little bit different. And with 50%, according to the poll, saying that would walk away from him if he is convicted on these charges, is that a legitimate poll or... Is that just the media trying to dissuade you from walking away from Trump again in their sense of desperation? I'm curious on where you stand on all this stuff. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Also, uh, by the way, speaking of the investigations going on Donald Trump, we have one of our very own senators here in the state of Kansas that uh, thinks that the judicial system is a wonderful source and completely unbiased in any way, shape, or form and thinks we should just let the justice system handle the case and just see where we end up at the end of the day. That's our favorite guy on this program. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky-fingered filcher from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow-boat to China. Tell me where in the world. Jerry Moran. Where in the world is Jerry Moran? Of course, we're wondering where Jerry Moran is because he's never yet come on this program. So we're still waiting for that uh, uh, acceptance of invitation to come on here, but his latest statements regarding the situation said that we should just let the justice system handle the investigation with Donald Trump. Obviously, there's no bias, there's no negativity against Donald Trump and one of the most corrupt court districts in the entire nation, someone who's funded Obama, someone who's funded the Biden, someone who supported Hillary Clinton, someone who has been the worst on charging January Sixers in court and putting them in jail for years on end because they felt like protesting at the Capitol in a mostly peaceful protest. She is the one handling the case on Donald Trump right now. So, uh, interesting statement from someone like Jerry Moran, who doesn't like confrontation, who doesn't like controversy for the most part, but just, oh, let the system handle it. We totally trust the system. By the way, speaking of Jerry Moran, there is a latest uh, poll out from KSNT News on 
the support of senators across the Mid-America region on some of the most lowest approval rated and most supported senators across the Mid-America region. And Senator Roger Marshall apparently has come in at the bottom of that list with only a 41% approval rating, 37% disapproving, with no opinion on Roger Marshall coming in at 22%. I, again, find that extremely hard to believe. Roger Marshall has been a stand-up firebrand. Roger Marshall has been an amazing individual in Washington, D.C. He's standing up there with Rand Paul and with Ted Cruz, calling out shenanigans on Dr. Fauci, calling out the lies of what the government's doing. He's been amazing up there. And we applaud him. We need to get him back on the program because it has been a while since we've had him on the show. But Roger Marshall, apparently out of the states of Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Colorado, all of our neighboring states around us, Roger Marshall comes in with the lowest approval rating at 41%. And I don't know what to think about that. I know that Kansas, and let's be honest here, there are many, many, many Republicans in the state of Kansas that do not like confrontation, that do not like the firebrand, we need to fix the system, that really are really honestly just like the Eisenhower-style Republicans of let's just go with the flow, try and get along, try and be nice with everybody, let's just not really shake the boat here. There's major corruption going on, we'll just kind of go along with it because we really don't want to go down that road of being the hardliners. There's a very large sect of those in the Republican Party in the state of Kansas, which is why we, even as a supermajority of Republicans in the state legislature, have a very difficult time actually getting conservative legislation passed because, well, yeah, a bunch of softies, extreme rhinos, and cowards, I'll call them, we'll just straight up call them cowards because they're afraid to actually fight for what needs to be fought for because, well, uh, they just don't want to rock the boat. And Roger Marshall's not one of those. And I got to be honest, I was concerned he potentially could be as uh, he was going into the House seat in the first district at first and then moving into the Senate because we didn't hear much from him in the House of Representatives at first. And I was concerned that that's what he would become. And he completely proved me wrong. And he was an amazing senator. And uh, we absolutely love him on this program. And we need to get him back on again very soon. But having the lowest approval rating. Out of any senator out of Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Colorado is very fascinating. Uh, Jerry Moran himself is coming in at 45% approval rating with a 35% disapproval. Again, reaffirms that idea of, well, let's just use the soft, squishy, go with the flow, don't want to rock the boat. That's the Jerry Moran style especially not even wanting to come on a conservative talk show and talk to us here. Uh, By the way, at the top of the list, on the most uh, highest approval rating in the Mid-America region is Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma with a 53% approval rating, 28% disapproval, and 19% saying they have no opinion. Michael Bennett behind him from Colorado, a former congressman out there uh, from the House with a 50% approval rating. John Hickenlooper, the former mayor of the city of Denver, Colorado. I've met him a few times myself. Coming in is, th- I got to be honest, I didn't know he was a senator now. Uh, coming in third place for the highest approval at 49%. And then all the way down that list, Roger Marshall at 41% on that approval rating list. Very interesting stuff. And it really shows kind of the mindset of some Republicans around the Mid America region here in the state of Kansas on where our thoughts are of the Republican Party at moving forward. Let's take a break. We got some calls on the line. I want to get your thoughts here. Do you agree with these polls? And do you agree with the mindset that if Donald Trump is convicted, that you would walk away from Donald Trump? As they say, 50% of the Republicans that currently support him would. 
But yet, his poll numbers continue to increase, and even after going to court and pleading not guilty, he heads out to a campaign rally and brings in another 20,000 individuals. It's a very strange world, and when it comes to Donald Trump, it's never like we're normally used to in the world and realm of politics. So we'll get your thoughts on all this and more when we come back here. Plus, our concern with the state Republican Party in general moving through into the general election for the presidential race next year in 2024. Lots to get to here on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Two minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Always a pleasure to have you for the ride this morning, trying to wake up your Saturday morning, get you pumped up, get you ready to go. I know it's difficult because it's a little more overcast and cloudy outside, but doesn't it feel nice? It's not 106 degrees outside, man. And that, my friends, is a win all by itself. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We threw a lot out to you. Now it's up for you to pick it up and see where you run with it. Do you still support Donald Trump, even if the poll numbers uh, show that 50% of the party would drop support for him if he is convicted? And do you agree with the polls on the support for the senators in the Mid-America region? Roger Marshall being one of the lowest approval ones. Uh, compared to Jerry Moran, James Lankford out of Oklahoma and other places as well, uh, in Nebraska, in Missouri, in Oklahoma, in Colorado. Do you support that poll? And what the heck's going on with the Republican Party? Let's go to the phones. Line number one. Uh, let's see here. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's going on, sir? Well, I mean, the people who are Trump supporters like myself, they're going to vote for Trump because they know He's the only one that can save the United States because as it is right now, you know, you have situations here on the local level where you get the Manchurian candidate with big money behind him running and possibly becoming a mayor here in Wichita, and they'll be working for special interests and the Communist Party in China. Interesting. So you think Brandon Whipple's working for China? No, I'm saying that uh, Lily Wu. Oh, Lily yeah, Wu's working for China. Huh? <laughs> Lily Wu's working yeah, for China. That's well, a lot of money behind her, and so that lets me believe that she just one of many candidates who will eventually be backed by supported uh, by the uh, Communist Party in the United States because they're wanting their agenda. And of course, uh, Joe Biden is their number one Manchurian candidate because I mean he's useless up there. They can't even have a press conference with him. And yet, uh, the Democrats are using all kind of money to uh, keep him in there. And in fact, they they'll do anything to Donald Trump to you know sort of maybe assassination to keep him out of office. And it's getting pretty bad out here. Well, we do see a paper trail of money going to the Biden family now at the local level. I would have to challenge the idea that Lily Wu is being funded by China. I mean, she does have a lot of money coming into her campaign. But she's running the campaign as a conservative libertarian, which would kind of go against the values of China. And, uh, I mean, if you go onto the Secretary of State's website, you can see the financial report on where the money's coming from, which is local businesses around here. So I, uh, uh, it's not really coming from China. Yeah, well, I mean, 
it's easily to hide money. I mean, you know, they they've done it in the past. They've hid money where it comes from. You know, they got ways of going underground to bring that money somewhere else. I mean, it, it's all done before. It's nothing new about that. It's just real well uh, complicated to some, but I mean, it, it's done. It's been done before. That's an interesting perspective. Scott, I appreciate that, my friend, very much so. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up. We do want to cover some of the election results. I know we've been talking about it throughout the week after Election Day. But, yes, uh, congratulations to Lily Wu and uh, Brandon Whipple making it through, which i got to be honest, that one was a bit of a shocker. Brian Fry, our good friend, city council member here, lost, uh, came in third place, just less than a percentage behind uh, Brandon Whipple in that race to go on to the general election. So that was a bit of a shocker, got to be honest. But congratulations to Lily Wu. Congratulations to uh, Dalton Glasscock moving forward into the general as well for district number four in the city council race as well. Brent Davis on the school board. We had a really a lot of really big wins on Tuesday for local races. We'll talk some more about those throughout the program as well and get you the final numbers uh, too. But I want to continue on with this. Do you still support Trump? Will this change your vote on him and support for him if he is these issues? There we go. I think my mic just fritched out there for a moment. But uh, do you still support Donald Trump even if he gets convicted? And uh, your thoughts on our senators here in the area? Let's go back to it. Line at number two. Good morning. Who's this? Fighting the power, Andy. Fighting the power, Sean. What's happening, brother? Hey. Okay. Well, I wasn't going to call in, but uh, this is a too good of a question. <laughs> um, you know, I could see 50% of Republicans not voting for Trump because there's an awful lot of cowardly Republicans, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I right mean, now, he, though, he's still pulling three-quarters of the party, though. So he is um, he's still well over the majority to dominate the primary race. But they say that those that are supporting him right now, 50% of those would walk away if he is convicted, which I've, I don't know. I have to question that poll because every time he's been indicted on the 80 plus different charges, they've tried to bring up on him to discredit him. His poll numbers continue to grow. So why would they grow? And then like, Oh, you're actually guilty. Okay. We're going to walk away. I, I don't think that's the case, honestly. Well, see the, that's that's another thing too. I was going to mention is that uh, you can't trust a lot of these polls. Um, it depends on who put the poll out. If it's saying that fifty percent of America is probably designed to suppress votes, because they do the left does that a lot with these damn polls. So it's one or the other. So you know, I question the whole thing. I mean, like I said, I could see fifty percent of Republicans not voting for Trump, but at the same time, I don't believe the poll. See the uh, dilemma there? <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Now, what do you think about the poll that say that Roger Marshall is one of the lowest approved senators in the Mid-America region? Again, I have to question that one. Well, I haven't even heard much about Roger Marshall lately, but that's probably a fake poll, too. You never know. Yeah, that could be true, but I tell you what, Andy, I know what you're thinking. I know you've been thinking, gee, why doesn't Sean run for mayor? I'd mm. vote for him because he'd be the greatest mayor of Wichita I ever had. There you go. So, well, now that the primary's done, you could do a writing I'm campaign. Flattered. I'm flattered and all that, but uh, the mayor's office, and that's small potatoes, dude. I'm going for the whole nine yards. Interesting. The whole enchilada. I was born to rule, baby. Mm. I'm going to be the next president of the United States. I'm going to make America even greater again. 
And I got the solution that no one else has to global warming, and I will end this climate change crap in one day. You know how I'll do it? How's that? All-out nuclear attack. <laughs> I think that would warm the planet up a little bit, wouldn't it? That would, I gotta go, man. There we go. All right. Well, Sean, I appreciate that. There you go. You know what? I, I guess if we're going to warm it, then we could prove to them that we actually do affect the climate or the environment. And I guess that's one way to do it, right? Sean, appreciate that very much. When we come back, we have our interview with uh, Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District. We'll play. We also have some issues going on within the state Republican Party, and we have election results that we'll recap as well. There's so much to talk about today. So much to get to and so little time to do it. So we'll just hang out this morning. Let's wake up your morning here on a Saturday. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM, plus our friends out in Garden City at 1240 KIUL. Lots more coming up. Stay right here. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out. It is a Saturday morning on Candace Talk, 1480 on the AM dial for KQAM 99.7 HD4 as well. If you have that smart radio, also our friends out in Garden City, KIUL 1240 on the AM dial. Always a pleasure to have you along. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. I know that you probably heard these numbers throughout the week on election night and the day after and all the recaps, but I do want to run down some of those uh, uh, races real quickly as well for those that may not have been following or are gearing up now for the general election in November. But when it came to the mayor's race, a very interesting race indeed. The two candidates moving forward into the general race includes Lily Wu coming in at 30% of the vote, 11,763 votes, which, by the way, we saw near, uh, what was it, a 15% voter turnout in Cedric County. So well done. I guess that was relatively high compared to what we were anticipating, which was between 8 to 10%. We had 15% voter turnout, and that's pretty exciting. So uh, congrats. I mean, you turned out, you made your voice heard, and we'll see where we go from here. But Lily Wu coming in first place, followed by Brandon Whipple uh, with 24% of the vote. 1% away was Brian Fry, just a few hundred votes behind, which means that really any of the other candidates that were there, if they would have not been there, Brian Fry could have potentially jumped into that second pace position. Very easily. Uh, Celeste Rochette, is, except for uh, coming in 17%, the other quote-unquote Democrat that was in the race, followed by Jared Cirillo, Julie Rose Stroud, Sheila Davis, Tom Kane, and Anthony Gallardo. Uh, interesting race indeed, but Lily Wu, Brandon Whipple moving forward into the general election. We'll see how that one plays out. It's going to be a hard-fought battle, and now that it's consolidated, who's going to run away with this race? I mean, just my perspective, which we'll do as the election continues to get closer, there were way more quote-unquote Republicans on the ticket than there were Democrats, which means if they are consolidated, I'm assuming, this is the voice of reason prediction, Candace talk prediction here early on, is that Lily Wu could run away with this race if the campaign is handled appropriately. Now, she has a lot of money that was reported on the campaign finance uh, reports. Brandon Whipple didn't have as much in the campaign finance himself. However, he had his pact. And we don't know how much money's in that pact. We don't know where that pact money's coming from. So 
That's interesting for sure. We'll talk about that more as we get closer. In the city council races, we had Dalton Glasscock running away with that race. Congrats, Dalton. 50% of the vote there with over 2,300 votes in his race. Judy Pierce is moving forward with him into that general election in November. And the USD 259 at-large seat, the big one for the school board. We saw Melody McCray Miller run away with a 54% vote. And Brent Davis, the conservative, we had Brent on the show last week, uh, coming in at 24%, which means he's got some work to do, but is moving on to the general election. We'll see how that one pans out. All right, that's enough for those election results. We'll talk some more, and we'll get the candidates back on as we get into it. Uh, Coming up as well with the elections, uh, there are more races that will be on that did not have primaries. So stay tuned for those candidates coming on soon, including the City Council District Number 5, City Council District Number 1, I believe and a few others around the area. So we have lots to talk about getting closer to election season. I want to shift gears a little bit. We sat down just yesterday with our Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District, really the western half of the state. But we sat down with him to talk about the latest out of Washington, D.C. They are taking their break from D.C. right now as he's doing his big tour across the state of Kansas. And we had lots to discuss with him. So this is our chat with him during The Voice of Reason. Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for what you're doing for the conservative movement in Kansas and around the country. Oh, it is so good to have you on, and uh, I appreciate what you guys have been doing. It is, I can only imagine how hard it is and how frustrating it may feel to have the House of Representatives and to have so many ideas of what we want to do. And everything you guys do essentially just get kicked down the road and just uh, kind of uh, put on the shelf from the uh, Democrat run Senate right now. Hopefully, we can change that in 2024. Well, you know, elections have consequences. Uh, when you think about it, you know, Congress is, is one-third of the government. The House is one-half of that. So Republicans control one-sixth of the government. That said, we have made some legitimate progress on a whole handful of issues. At the end of the day, Congress uh, controls the purse strings. we got to exercise the power of the purse to try to rein in. Uh, you know, this this out of control federal government that we're seeing right now. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Uh, while you're on break, I know you've been touring around the state of Kansas and your district especially, and for those that don't know uh, the size of Kansas, you pretty much control like two-thirds of the state, like, you know, the western half of the state of Kansas with how big yeah, your well, district is. How's the, how's the tour going right now? My district starts in Lawrence and goes all the way to Goodland. Uh, so Kansas has 105 counties, and I represent 60 of them, so wow. about a little under 60% of the district. I do one uh, town hall in every county. So we've had 15 town halls this week. Just wrap that up. So we've been to all 60 counties this year. And nothing I enjoy more than getting out, talking to folks, telling what's happened in Washington, D.C., but really listening to them, hearing what's on their mind uh, to convey their concerns and represent them well back in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. What is the big concern when you do hear people in the town halls? What's the big priority that they've been focusing on? Has it been the investigations, uh, Hunter Biden stuff? Has it been economic things? Has it been agricultural? What's uh, what's the flavor? Yeah, yeah, you know, I've got a very large ag district. So the farm bill, uh, the five-year bill expires on September the 30th. So that yeah. is front and center for folks uh, in my district and the counties I was in. But beyond that, Andy, it's just, it's the regulations coming out of Washington, D.C. You know, Washington, D.C. should not be telling people what light bulbs they can use, uh, if they have, if they can have a gas stove or not, if they've got to buy an electric vehicle. You know, this is crazy. All the regulations, um, things like the lesser prairie chicken in our state are important. And the continued weaponization, uh, people feel like the weaponization of, of the federal government, it certainly seems like uh, the Department of Justice is going after Trump, turning a blind eye to Biden, and that obviously frustrates a lot of people, as it should. 
Yeah, it is pretty frustrating. Let's talk about the Farm Bill for a second. I know that uh, some leaders were concerned about getting kind of a late start on discussing the Farm Bill. And as you said, it expires at the end of uh, next month, which is a cause for concern for many farmers that uh, may not have some of the crop insurance protection, some of the other things that are included in the bill. But how is it looking and are we coming down uh, to being able to finalize this thing? Well, I have made massive progress. Till I started this year behind, we have a new Republican uh, chairman. You know, he's done a great job catching us back up. We should get the draft text of the Farm Bill later this month, right when we get back in September. Hopefully we'll have a markup and go to the House Ag Committee. Don't forget that farm bills are amendments to existing farm policy that goes back to the 1940s, which means no one wants it to revert back to that. So if it expires, it, it won't expire. It would get extended. Hmm. But we're pushing hard and want to get it done on time by September the 30th. Yeah, that is the good news. Uh, the other front on that that's that's a little bit more political is, I know this is kind of a pipe dream, but is there any opportunity for the SNAP program and some of the other social programs that they've placed under the farm bill to be removed because I think the farm bill needs to be focused on actual farmers, not on social programs for the country. And I think there needs to be some kind of divide there. Yeah. You know, the farm bill today, uh, Andy, 81% of the money to the farm bill is for food nutrition. (laughs) 19% is for everything else. The everything else is, you know, things like crop insurance, uh, other, other things that make sure we have a robust, uh, safe, safe and steady food supply. So that's the current state of affairs. But you got to have both from the standpoint. You've got to get the ag policy right so we're producing food. Yeah. Um, you know, and let's make sure that we're getting it to people that have legitimate needs. Um, I think, you know, we some work requirements and things were changed with the uh, debt ceiling deal. And uh, we'll see what happens with the rest of this farm bill. I didn't realize how fu- how big that was, 80-20. So a farm bill that's supposed to be for farmers are actually farmers actually benefiting it from it about 20% of the time. So that's nice. That's that's good to know on the priorities that some uh, some big government Democrats have on that one. Real quickly, that goes along with agriculture, but also with trade and the economy as a whole. How are we and have you guys been working on with relations with China, some of the trade deals with China right now moving forward, especially when it comes to trade of some livestock, grain, and that sort of stuff? Yeah, you know, Trump um, did a lot of work renegotiating our trade deals with China, uh, you know, the NAFTA, or the update on the NAFTA, the North, you know, the, the, that's big, you know, the Mexico, um, Canada, MCPA deal, very important. Um, exports to Japan, very robust right now. And, you know, in tr- we feed the world, given how great, the great job our ag producers do, but we've got to keep looking at open up over the markets over, overseas, make sure that you know, we have a little playing field. We can compete with anybody, but let's make sure we've got a level level playing field and aren't being taken advantage of. Yeah, amen to that. I know the trade market especially as well with the conflict with Russia and the Ukraine. The Black Sea port right now has been causing issues. Russia didn't want any grain going out of that trade port, which could cause some issues in the long run when it comes to food and food prices and food stability as well. Is that getting resolved, and uh, does that mean that farmers here in the United States just need to up their game a little bit when it comes to exports? Um, It is a great question. It's a huge issue. So, Context: Ukraine is a country of 40 million people, but they feed 400 million. Yeah. And the food, you know, the grain that they produce, if you look at a massive pine, that grain typically goes south and it goes west, which means, you know, countries like Egypt, the rest of North Africa, the Middle East, Syria, they get a lot of their food from Ukraine. So the problem is when you um, prohibit exports like Russia is doing out of Ukraine, you can simultaneously destabilize the Middle East and a part of the world that history would say uh, when it's not stabilized, bad things happen and begin to prop up. So this situation is not good. 
provides their result. Yeah, that is a, uh, a big cause for concern. Any inkling on when this conflict may be over? Is it just kind of lingering still? Well, it's just, you know, my frustration is, well, you have a handful of issues. You have the, the port that's been closed, and uh, and we'll see what Russia is or isn't willing to do there. Uh, we also got to be realistic. You know, we spent $100 billion in Ukraine, yeah. and I want Ukraine to win, wish them well, but we have our own priorities. I think other countries need to step up. I believe that we need more oversight, accountability, transparency into those dollars. I've, I voted against the last several uh, appropriations requests. Uh, for, for, for money to Ukraine, that's certainly that's something that's going to come back before Congress here later this year. That is very true. Congressman Tracy, a man from the Big First District in the state of Kansas, I know you have to run, my friend. Last question for you, and I don't know that you're even involved with these committees or not, but I'm sure it's the word of the town in Washington, D.C. Any more information on the hearings about UFOs and ETs coming out of some of those committees? Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, we had a lot of things. That's not on my committee. Um, I would say you list the things that I think we ought to be most concerned about today. That would not be on the list. That said, there is a lot of intrigue. Uh, it does matter. You know, you wonder if maybe there are some, uh, some folks in Washington, D.C. that didn't step off of a uh, UFO rocket ship someday. But, uh, you know, our government is what it is to serve. Congressman, how are you, my friend? We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well as Glenda's back on the line with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I am doing well today. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network and ways to prevent scams or at least be aware of scams just in case someone tries to come after you for your information, but you guys actually have some opportunities to try and stay ahead of the scams as well by being aware of it and uh, using some of the tools that are available through the AARP. What do you have available here? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Andy. We have the watchdog alert and uh, sign up and people are able to uh, sign up for it. And we would like to encourage them to stay ahead of the scammers uh, by, by signing up for this. It's a great tool. Um, it's a, as um, what it does is that it really comes twice a month. It's an, a, a watchdog alert scam that comes update that comes twice a month to your email or your phone, and it lets you know about the latest scams that are trending across the country. So whatever's out there, and you know we hear about them all day and every day, but it tells us how we can spot them and how you can avoid falling victim to them. Uh, it will let you know about some of the red flags to look for and also let you know what to do to stay safe. And you can use it yourself, and you can also share it with your family and your friends. And the most of all, Andy, it's completely free. That is a great opportunity. Uh, it's, it's almost if you do get scammed, you can let other people know about it, kind of that community board, to just keep people posted on what's going on. Uh, because it seems like these scams, and we talk about it all the time, but they change every single day. They change every single day, and it seems as if the scammers are getting better and better at it. And so in order to uh, sign up for this fraud watch alert, um, if we would ask you to um, text FWN, and that stands for Fraud Watch Network, to 50757. If you text 
SWN to 50757, or you can just visit our AARP.org website slash watchdog alerts, and you're able to sign up there also. Some great information. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of those scams real quickly. We're going into the end of summer, fall season. Obviously, there's been a lot of scams for vacation time, summertime, the gas stations, that sort of thing. But now that we're going into the fall semester and almost school that's about ready to start here in the next month or so, uh, are we seeing some new scams, obviously trying to uh, maybe get people enrolled in maybe online courses or when people are trying to get some of their school uh, um uh, uh, products and stuff that they need for the school season. Are we starting to see these schemes kind of pop up this way? You start to see them coming out, you know, and so you look to be sure that the websites that you're going to, if it is a uh, store or Amazon or wherever it's going, you're, you're going to those websites. Be sure that it is their official website uh, because absolutely you are, people are absolutely being scammed and also still looking at the student loan um, uh, scammers, you know, there's just a lot of things that's out there still about that. So, yes, there are those that really target students, credit cards, signups, you know, all of those kinds of scams that you really need to be aware of. Yeah, that's a great point. You mentioned the student loans. Obviously, we have uh, a lot of students now taking out new student loans for the fall semester, but also with the news coming from the Supreme Court and the federal government regarding student loan forgiveness programs, I'm sure a massive opportunity for fraud there. Absolutely. The forgiveness program is absolutely what we're talking about. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that is very unfortunate. Just really trying to work to be able to... uh, Spot a scam and uh, stop it, right? And you, we can always still call our Fraud Watch helpline, which is 877-908-3360. Or just go to our Fraud Watch network. I love it, the Fraud at, Watch uh, network. AARP.org. Always yes. great information yes. there. we got just about a minute left here, Glenda, but talk about what else you guys have with the AARP. Obviously, still a lot of community events going on, webinars, different educational experiences, but what do you have going right now? Yes, yes. And so we really want to make everyone aware of the by going to our um, AARP.org and looking at the virtual events, but also in the Wichita area uh, this weekend on Saturday, we have a Veterans Awareness Expo 2023, and that will be at the Mid-America All-Indian Museum from 10 to 3, and it's free and open to the public, and they will have services and uh, information for uh, veterans and their families. So mm-hmm. go out and, and check that out. Great information. I love it. Great ways to get involved here as well. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them, follow them on the social media. Glenda, we appreciate it very much. Let's do it again next week. Thank you so much. All right, there it is. That's the latest with the AARP. We always appreciate them on the program. When we come back, hour number two, can you believe it? Hour number one's all wrapped up in the books already. When we come back, State Representative Leo Delperdang, he'll be in studio with us. We're going to talk about some energy and utilities and Evergy. Are you ready for your bill to go up another $14 a month? Why? Well, because we didn't do any foresight on planning for some of the uh, updates that we see in our system. So we'll talk about that. We have election coverage that we have as well. We have the stuff going on with Donald Trump. We have the state Republican Party that I do want to focus some time on as well. I don't know if you're aware of how dire the state Republican Party is at this point. Now, that's different than the county parties doing their own thing and cranking it out. And even you, the voter, just trying to get to the polls, not just in November this year, but getting ready for the big presidential races next year as well. It's going to be big and the Republican Party at the state level needs to be prepared The question is, are we? And I'm a little concerned about that. And as you know, they've caused some controversy with some of the changing up or the potential trying of changing up of the committees at the statewide level. 
within the party as well. And are we under the proper leadership right now? Causing a lot of controversy there. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Evergy and your utilities. It's been really hot lately, which means I'm assuming our utility bills are going to be skyrocketing over the next month or two with uh, trying to pay off those bills. And then they say, well, you might need a little bit more. Just need to pay a little bit more. Why? Because Biden says the economy is so good that you can just pay for it yourself anyways. You're already taking three jobs. That's why job creation is so good across the nation. You're taking two and three jobs right now to pay for your bills. Aren't you glad the economy is rocking and rolling so productively and so swell? We'll do that and more. Plus, your phone calls always appreciated for hour number two. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 997 HD4 on the FM dial. Also, our friends out in Garden City, 1240 KIUL. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. Man, covered a lot of ground in hour number one. We got so much more to talk about in hour number two. Some interesting things, some frustrating things, some concerning things. And the question's still out there for you. According to the polls... If Donald Trump is convicted on these January 6 charges, which are ridiculous, but if he is, does that change your thoughts and support of him? Either if you support him, would you walk away, which they say 50% of Republican voters that support him now would walk away, or if you don't support him, would that increase your support? Because right now, every time that he gets new indictments, then his poll numbers continue to rise. So I'm not sure why the poll numbers would rise and rise and rise and rise every time he gets indicted on something. And then, oh, we're actually charging you. Oh, never mind. Okay, we're going to walk away. That doesn't make any sense to me. So a little strange. We have that conversation. We have our poll numbers for our local U.S. senators across the Mid-America region, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Colorado. Roger Marshall coming in with the least approval rating out of all of them. Very interesting. So we have that going on. We have... Uh, Jerry Morant that we'll talk about a little bit later as well and more. Plus your phone calls at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. They're great partners here on KQAM and here on Candace Talk as well. We love them to death. If you have any appliance issues, it's been really hot. Maybe your oven, although if you're using your oven in the middle of summer in 106-degree temperatures, I don't know why you would do that, but uh, in case you want to contribute to climate change or something, uh, then if it's going out, maybe your ice dispenser is not working on your refrigerator, which is desperately needed in these extreme hot times, or any other appliance that may be breaking, they can help you. They have years of experience. Call Mike and Mike. They can check them out. Uh, anything from the old school stuff that still cranks like the good old days or the new technology where your refrigerator tells you you're out of carrots. Uh, no matter what type they have, they can help you out. Make sure to give them a call, 316-409-1525, 316-409-1525. You can also find them on their Facebook page at facebook.com slash Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. They were voted best of by the Wichita Eagle in 2022, and they will treat you right. All right, we got some calls online. We'll get to you in a second. In studio with us, though, hanging out for the hour to talk about some 
energy, utility issues, and some more. The man himself, State Representative Leo Delperding. Leo, what's going on, brother? Good morning, Andy. It's always good to be on here with always you, sir. Always good to have you on. You've been The session's over, but you've been busy, busy. Been busy, busy, busy. We've yeah. got a lot of stuff going on. I uh, made it up uh, this last week to uh, Manhattan, got to give a talk to the Mid-America, or mi- I'm sorry, Mid- Midwest Energy. Midwest of, Energy. Hey, Midwest Energy out of... Uh, Okay. Uh, Hayes. How many utility companies are around the state? We have, obviously, Evergy that kind of runs this area. More than you think. We have, really? <laughs> yeah, when you get in, Ever, Evergy is what they call an investor-owned, so it's, so to speak, a private one, if okay. you will. It's a for-profit. Sure. But there's a few of those out there. But then you also have a ton of co-ops out there, and you've got even more municipalities. I think there's 128 municipality power companies in the state. Interesting. And I'm not sure what the number is on the co-ops, but there's a bunch out there's there. There's a bunch. All I ever hear of, of course, Energy, which is on our side of the state, and then out in Garden City when I lived out there was Black Hills Energy. And yeah. that was, you know, those are the only two that I knew of around here. Black Hills is actually headquartered up in Rapid City, South Dakota, if that's one yeah. you're thinking of. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot to talk about regarding utilities and energy. We are... Battling through the extreme heat, my AC has been running nonstop at home, and I keep it relatively warmer because I don't want, not because they're telling me I need to save on climate change, but just because I don't want to pay a $300 utility bill. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, but it's been cranking. I'm assuming the prices are going to be relatively high for my monthly bills the next month or two, but at the same time, they're asking us to just pay a little bit more. Can't we afford to pay a little bit more? Yeah, we're we're kind of in the middle of a rate case going on right now with Evergy. Uh, I got to talk to the Sedgwick County GOP a couple of weeks back about that, but uh, just kind of staying down the middle. I'll 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 spew out the facts on it. Uh, <laughs> then but we can speculate the, from being there. Being the energy chair, I do have a lot of inside information on both sides, and I don't want to bring up something that's going to interfere one or the other. There are a couple of items I can put an opinion out on, but I we know what Evergy's asking for. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident it's not going to be as bad as what they're asking for. It's Think of when you go in and you buy a new car and the dealer wants you to pay $10,000 for this car and you're saying, no, it's worth five, and you negotiate somewhere in between there. And the same exact thing's going to be going on right now with between the KCC and Evergy. So, so why? Let's first off start at the beginning. Why is Evergy asking for us to pay more in our utility bills? That's kind of an obvious answer, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is that. There is that. <laughs> I don't know. What, what's intriguing to me on that, and again, this is public information, Evergy's base rates last year in 2022 brought in $1.8 billion, with a B, in annual revenues. So that's a okay. chunk of change, right? It's a, it's a big company, right. but it's a chunk of change. Where it gets interesting is out of those – the company's adjusted earnings portion was $854 million. Now, you do some businesses on your side, on your own. Right. I've been in the business world for many years. Typically, you look at revenues versus the true earnings and all that. Right. You're down 10 to 15% range, right? Sure. And if you do the math on this, you're you're sitting pretty dang close to a 50% range, 1.8 billion plus versus almost 900 million in net earnings. So that's a huge chunk there. And with that thought in mind, do they really need more? I don't know. I'm going to keep my opinion out of that one. Uh, there is the quest. The part that's really bugging me is we've got so many uh 
people, entities, et cetera, out there that are keep they keep pushing for we want the green energy, we want renewables, et cetera. Yeah. That's part of what's running these prices up with everybody's as a consumer because they are they Evergy is guaranteed X amount percent return on any of their investments. And the reason I say X amount is if it's done through federal levels such as the Southwest Power Pool. <clears throat> They're guaranteed a 10.3% return on that investment. Mm-hmm. So you, if the, if FERC or the SPP says we need this transmission line put out here, and it's at their their guidance, it's guaranteed 10.3% return on their equity or their investment. Now, if it's KCC ran, which means intrastate, totally within Kansas, it's a little bit lower return on the rate, but it's still currently 9.3%. Wow. So as we say, we want more wind, we, you know, those are wanting solar out there, et cetera. We're essentially saying we want to give Evergy more, more return, money. more money. Yeah. yeah. But then we've got the big bear up in northeast Kansas now called the Panasonic plant. Who's going to pay for that? Right. And that's part of what is going to come up in a future rate case, not too far out. Right. And that's something I'm working on with them on also. Now, I've already been told if it is infrastructure specific for the Panasonic plant, Panasonic will pay for it. But out in that area, they're doing other build-outs for other businesses, for uh, neighborhoods, for residential. So it's all going to come together, and you and I are going to get the bill for that, essentially. Here's the frustrating part, and correct me if I'm interpreting this wrong here, but this is why this is frustrating. This goes into, and we were talking a little bit about this off the air, but Highway projects when we were trying to create interstates, when Eisenhower was like, I want an interstate across the entire nation. When we do infrastructure builds for the government, even utility lines and some of this stuff, uh, especially, let's, this is the prime example of it. We have a utility company that is building a Panasonic plant to build batteries for EV vehicles, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole point here. Mm-hmm. That is their business choice to decide to get into that industry and want to do this. As a private business, they would think, I'm going to invest into building this because I see the ROI return on investment in this. So therefore, I'm going to do what it takes by saving up money as a business. It's I'm going to go and try and take out a loan. I'm going to do whatever I need to in order to build this, knowing that I can pay this off and make money in the return. That's not what we're seeing here. Instead of them investing in it on their own, they're saying we have a venture, a business project venture that we want to do. We'll just raise rates from our current customers who have no say in this mm-hmm. and have no opportunity to back out and choose somebody else. We'll just raise the rates on them to fund the project that we want to do. Right. That's, that's and not that's, how you run business. That's like telling the stores that I'm a I'm a uh, uh, I'm a hat a hat store mm-hmm. and I'm the only place that you can get hats and I want to build another store so I'm going to double the price of my hat and you have to buy it from me so that way I can build a new shop. Like what are we doing here? That's part that's of being stupid. a monopoly though. And that's that's the reason we have got to keep our hands on this thing. That's yeah. the reason I am absolutely charging the KCC to into the negotiation portion of this. Working yeah. with them Quite often, I don't want to say daily, but probably every other day I'm hearing from them. Yeah. Um, but it is a monopoly. Where else do you turn? If if Evergy's not there, who are you going to get your power from? Yeah. You can't just call up Joe Blow's utility company and say, hey, bring it on over to my house. Yeah. It's, Which it's I thought there. we weren't allowed to have monopolies. 
Well, we, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. And that's the frustrating you part. Uh, again, it goes with not only building the Panasonic plant, but all the upgrades. Like, oh, our, our, our power lines are up, outdated. We need mm-hmm. to upgrade to the big steel ones and the really massive ones. We need to expand these power lines. That's a business decision. It Why is. are we paying for this? Because we have no choice to pay for it because you're the only one providing it. Mm-hmm. Instead of you saying, well, as a business decision, I need to invest in it and do this smartly by saving money, by preparing for our right. venture, instead of just saying, nah, we'll just raise some rates and make them pay more. you have any idea how old most of that infrastructure is when you're talking these transformers out I here on the imagine. lines and stuff? Take a wild guess. I can only imagine. Probably 40 years. It's older than what you are. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. will say that. Yeah. Uh, 57 years is kind of the average out there. Wow. 57 years. So and how, they didn't, as a business, they didn't have any foresight to say, these will probably need updated at some point. Let's go ahead and set a fund aside to put money in there to prepare for those upgrades when that time's needed. Yeah. Well, there there should have been. But yeah. then keep in mind, Evergy has, Evergy's only been around since 2018. That's five years ago. Mm. So it has been a con, just an ongoing moving target because of mergers, corporate mergers and acquisitions, et cetera. And then it was just five years ago. You had a couple more combined, which yeah. put together Evergy, but it didn't start in 2018. It's been going on all along. And these companies put this stuff out here. Yeah, it's got a long lifespan. Yes, it's still working. Yes, it's still reliable for the most part. But what happens? Yeah. What you know? You, you just look at what's going on in the world. What happens if somebody popped an uh, an EMP type of, of right. uh, up in the atmosphere here and it took out a whole bunch of uh, transformers and infrastructure? Yeah. Do we have that sitting off in a warehouse somewhere? No. What's going to be the price of that when they start to rebuild and be like, well, we just have to raise your rates again? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not about rates at that point. I mean, a lot of the stuff has been coming from China and Taiwan. Mm. Now, what if it's China that does this? Yeah, I'm not saying they will, but what if it is? Do they you think they know go- what they're sending us? Yeah. Well, do you think they're going to turn around and send us more at that point? It's a great point. You know, it's a great point. Why aren't we doing the manufacturing right here in in the U.S.? Uh, so frustrating. Uh-huh. I was saying off the air, this is why I can't wait to live off the grid. Yeah. Just to hell with this. Go. And again, with the monopolies, we're not allowed to have monopolies. That's constitutionally, we're not supposed to. So we need to start. Is there an opportunity? I mean, this is theoretical, but is there an opportunity to break these companies up and, and cause some competition in the market? The answer is yes. It's oh, The term really? is known as retail wheeling. Uh, it's happening in Texas right now. And do we jump directly into full-fledged retail wheeling right now? Yes. No, that's not a smart <laughs> idea, but... Do we do something there where we can bring some competition elements into it initially and maybe head more and more down the road as with little time? Sure. Yeah. It's known as PPAs, Power Purchase Agreements. Uh, that can be going on out there, working with some of the people that have the solar companies. And I'm not talking the, you know, two sections of commercial solar, but what about all the rooftop solar out there? What if yeah. we can get a little bit more where you can spin that meter backwards and it puts a fair amount of amperage into the grid, which can be resold. Sure. Or if you've got a bunch of excess capacity on your barn sitting out there and you don't need it during certain times of the year, could you maybe have an agreement to sell that off to somebody else? I mean, it, sure. the options are there. It, it can be done. Yeah, the opportunity is there. We just need to find it, which is why you're heading up the utilities uh, committee in, <laughs> in the state legislature now, because we need to find some of these great 
ideas. Got to take a break here. We're talking with State Representative Leo Delperding. Uh, questions about utilities, the uh, price rate hikes potentially from Evergy moving forward. How do we stop some of the shenanigans? How do we break up these monopolies and how do we hold them accountable to actually run like a damn business and actually prepare for business expenses with future upgrades and equipment instead of just relying on you to cough it up after not letting go of the previous rate hikes after they finished with their projects prior before as well. Kind of frustrating, isn't it? It's what you get when the government and the public sector get tied in with monopolies and the corporate sector all together as one. What a concept. So lots more coming up. Stay here. Twenty-four minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQM. We're talking electric rates, utilities across the state of Kansas. Couldn't we see these utility rate hikes around the Mid-America region? Hanging out with State Representative Leo Delperdang. So we have multiple different things going on here. And I don't want to confuse people by all the different things. And we'll talk about each one of them separately. We have the $14 flat rate hike that they're looking at doing. Correct. And so, and that one's to build the Panasonic plant. No, the fourteen—I'm going to say roughly fourteen fifty, something like that—is um, the the rate increase they're looking to do at what they call Evergy Central. Okay, Evergy Central is the kind of the central to eastern part of the state. Okay, does not touch Kansas City area. Sure. So there's another rate case going on with what they call Kansas or Evergy's Metro, which is Kansas City metro area. Okay. So that's up there, and it's it's considerably less, two and a half bucks or something like that. And that one's for the Panasonic plant? Well, no, that's where it gets interesting. So okay. that is for Kansas City metro, and why is that so much less than, out, than what they're looking for out here? It's because it's metro, it's compacted in, the infrastructure is not as, right. you know, and there's more of it, but it's a lot more customers up there. When you get out here, you got a lot more rural territory. You got a lot more uh, pure infrastructure to get out to these people. Sure. But what's interesting is that Panasonic plant, and I have never personally been there. My understanding is it's up in DeSoto area. Yeah. That is part of Evergy Central. And that's where this is going to get interesting. And that is not part of the current rate case. That's one that they're looking at maybe a year out. So, okay, it's it's a separate one altogether. But when that thing gets underway, it's part of Evergy Central. And I do personally have a problem with me and you and everybody else here in Wichita or Topeka or rural Kansas having right. to pay for infrastructure going into the DeSoto Panasonic plant. And that's when I started asking questions about who is paying for this. And and they swore to me that if it is Panasonic plant-specific infrastructure, Panasonic pays for it. So I don't have an issue with that. But then they also said there is a – because of that, that part of the state is really building up with, you know, neighborhoods and real estate, you know, people moving there. That's going to create like 4,000 jobs. So you got to have a certain number of people that's going to move to that area. Who has to pay for that? Well, that's true residential infrastructure. So that comes back to Central, which is you and I down here. We're all going to help pay for part of that. So, 
Interesting. Yeah. So we have all the okay. So there's essentially three different potential, uh, different areas, different places, but three different potential uh, hikes that they're looking at doing. Then we have as well the fourth one that is the building of the infrastructure to carry alternative energies hmm. that we're producing here in Kansas outside of the state to the state of Missouri. Yes. Now that's got nothing to do with Evergy. Let's take right. them out of it. And okay, Evergy's good. Uh, right. Evergy's <laughs> done. We've uh, bagged on them enough. That's, All right. Yeah. That's another thing I am I'm looking at, and we're going to have we we have to address this. There's a lot of uh, wind plants going up in western Kansas, and they that power they wanted in shipped to other states. And I'm just going to we'll pick on Missouri. We're going to ship sure. it to Missouri. Well, it's a private entity building the wind infrastructure, so I don't have an issue there. They're paying for it. The power is going to go to other states, so we've got to figure out, rather than what I hate to say is complaining and how to bite the bullet of the cost, but how do we turn this into our advantage? It's not up to you and me as ratepayers to have to pay for that infrastructure to get it over to another state. Right. Pick on Missouri, okay? Sure. But the power's got to get over there somehow. What they're doing today is they're taking the wind farms way out west and they're hitting, deadheading it and hooking it into infrastructure in like sun, sunflower power, Midwest Energy. There, there's different companies out there. So suddenly these companies have to ramp up their infrastructure to handle all the currents coming they're in just from the wind. Through it. Yeah, but yet. They're not dropping it off to their customers. It's a flow-through. So their customers shouldn't have to pay for it. You and I shouldn't have to pay for it. It should be something tacked on or an agreement that we have to put in place that if you're building it, you pay for it. That's interesting. Uh, They find ways, man. Yeah. And And personally, if that's happening and we set it up right, I've got no problem with them shipping the power out as long as money is flowing into Kansas to take care of that. And they're saying Kansas is a prime state because of our location and all that yeah, we're kind of whatever. the flow through state we're yeah. the flyover state and the flow through well state. we're That's in energy state exactly. it's no different than if we're shipping oil out exactly we'll continue this conversation when we come back got to take a hard break here for the bottom of the hour news we got a caller on the line too we'll get to you when we come back as well interesting information how do we stop some of this and what's the future look like for energy in the state of kansas Lots we're coming up here on kansas talk on kqam Wichita's number one in talk radio. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into the program on the home stretch here, last half hour of the show. Good golly, it flies right on by the weekend with Michael Brown coming up here on KQAM and KIUL, 11 o'clock in just a little bit. Make sure to check that out. Always a great program. Michael Brand coming out of 630 KHOW in Denver, Colorado. Great individual there. We have Leo Delperdang, state representative, hanging out here in studio for a little bit more time with us. But let's jump to the phones here and let's take a phone call. They've been waiting very patiently on the line and see what's going on there. Good morning. Who's this? Oh, never mind. I guess they're gone. All right. They dropped off. That's all right. Uh, real quickly, and I want to get back to the utility stuff here in just a minute. You can chime in on this if you want to. If you don't, it's totally cool. But we have to talk about the state Republican Party for a second. And I t- for those that don't know, we have to let them know what's going on. As I am getting more and more concerned going into the presidential race of next year and where the Republican Party is at this time and where we should be and where we're going into the next year. Because 
For those that don't know, we have the statewide party. We have the RNC, the national party, that works with the statewide parties, that work with the county parties at the local levels. Kind of the breakdown of how the Republican Party is structured. Democrats are kind of the same way, but they don't like to focus on their local investments and their platform and the grassroots at the local levels. Barack Obama did that horribly. Joe Biden's doing that horribly. And that's why the local Democrat parties at local areas, especially in Kansas, have very little power, influence, and money. Republican Party is supposed to be dominating. We're supposed to bring in the big candidates. We're supposed to be helping uh, legislative seats and governor's races and Senate seats and congressional seats all over the states and sending them money, helping them campaign, helping them organize. That's the purpose of the Republican Party. That's the whole point is to try and get voter turnout and to make sure that the candidates have the resources they need to win elections. That is the point of the Republican Party. And unfortunately, now we have not had him on the program. I did meet him one time at the Kansas State Rifle Association's annual meeting, but we have not had on this program the new chairman for the state Republican Party, Mike Cuckelman, or I'm sorry, um, with uh, um, Steve Brown. Mike, Mike Brown. Mike, Mike Brown. Brown. Thank you. Mike Brown. Mike Cuckelman was the old one. This is Mike Brown, the new uh, chair for the state Republican Party. I met him once and uh, oh, we, we were waiting to get him on the program because right about the time we met him, was the time when a lot of the drama came out about them trying to essentially overhaul a lot of the committees at the statewide level that did not look good in the PRIs for the party by removing certain minority subgroups off of the committees. I don't know why they wanted to do that. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me on why they did that, and I'm glad that they started to retract that after such pushback from the state Republican Party. Well, it goes a lot deeper on... Not to be the doom and gloom kind of guy, but it goes a lot deeper on the state that we're in right now compared to where we have been in the past. There was a post that was made by Mike Cuckelman, the former chair of the state Republican Party on social media, where he gave us some troubling news. And I want to read this to you and you can take it as you will moving forward. Year to date, the Kansas Republican Party cast has shrunk from $92,000 on hand to $6,000 on hand. Now, to put that in perspective, as you know, I was the former treasurer for the Sedgwick County Republican Party for a short time with Dalton. And I don't know whether that's the same or not, but we used to have donations coming into the county party at that level alone on a regular basis. The entire statewide Republican Party is sitting at $6,000 in their cash revenue right now. Democrat Party at the state level is sitting at $300,000 compared to our six thousand dollars according to mike kunkelman here's what he said we cannot sugarcoat this we cannot deny the message gleaned from the objective financial reporting to the fec while we are certainly expected under performance in fundraising by current gop chair mike brown we didn't realize the severity of his underperformance until yesterday's fec filing disclosed the shaky financial condition of the kansas gop the GOP finished in 2022 general election cycle with a surplus of $92,000 in the bank. Brown was expected to use his $92,000 as seed capital to build a war chest ahead of the 2024 elections. However, by June 30th, he's run it down to $6,200. This poor performance is even is, is even after he shuttered the state GOP office. Mike Brown is, talk, is taking the Kansas Republican Party in many wrong directions, but now we know he's going to financially bankrupt the party if he doesn't change course. Brown is meant to increase the party's war chest, not deplete the surplus that was handed to him. It is time for Mike Brown and his cohorts that propped him up in his $3 million fundraising promise accountable. 
as he said apparently when he was running that the goal is to raise $3 million for the coffers in the state GOP in year one. We're going to get that done, I promise you, quote-unquote, according to Mike Brown when he ran for the state Republican Party. $6,000 a little bit different than the $3 million that was promised to us. And now that we're going into the latter half of the year now, into a major political cycle in 2024, which we always say this, but it's always true at the same time, so it's hard to hold up the severity of it while at the same time we overly use it and we water it down and kind of wear it out a little bit, that this is going to be one of the most important elections that we've ever had in 2024 at the national level and at the statewide levels, and we're going into it with $6,000 in the account for the state Republican Party. Now, I don't know Mike Brown a whole lot. I do not know much of his staff that's on the uh, staff for the state Republican Party a whole lot. However, what I will say is if we've gone from 92000 down to six, while the Democrats have $300,000, that's going to make it challenging for us to have a successful election in the state next year. Maybe it'll come back up here soon. We shall see. And overall, Republicans are still relatively Republican in the state. So it's up to us. It's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to you and I as the voter, as the catalyst at the local level, as the advocate at the local level to make sure we get out the vote and not expect a whole lot of help from the state Republican Party. The state Republican Party, if they continue down this road, will be obsolete and we will have to do it all ourselves. And that is very scary. That is very concerning. At the same time, I have full optimism that we as the voter are actually going to take matters into our own hands and do it ourselves because to hell with the establishment and the rhinos and whoever else and the organized structure because we'll just have to figure it out. But uh, just for your FYI information here, that is a bit concerning how the Republican Party is seems to be sabotaging itself in one of the most crucial times that we could possibly have. The off-season years like this are the building up in the prepara- preparation for the election years. That is the year where we build the war chest and we prepare ourselves and we do everything we can to get ready for the election and for the war that ensues, politically speaking, not physically speaking, for those Democrats. And he's advocating for war. Now, politically speaking, we're preparing for the war that is the election time in the campaigns and the messaging and trying to get out the vote message. And you cannot do that in a state with a statewide party with $6,000 in the account. Anything to say on that? <laughs> we, we just keep doing it to ourselves. I mean, it, really, we did the similar in the recent mayoral election mm. on the primary here. You sure. think about it. We had a Democrat over there, Mr. Whipple, and I'm not saying good, pro, or con, anything, but we had Whipple over there on the Democrat side. How many do we have running over on the Republican side? And what do we do? We go around and just split votes out. Spend a massive Every- amount of money to compete against ourselves. Yep, everybody's backstabbing on each other, and we're fighting it out amongst it. And what do we do? We we let the uh, Democrat just come walking on in, and he he's still in the race. Yeah. And it that's is- nobody's fault but ours. It was ours to lose, and we We, we do that all the time. Did. It's always ours to lose. Yeah, Even not- at the statewide level in the legislative seats, it is always ours to lose when it comes to AG or Secretary of State or even Governor, that we campaign against ourselves. The Republican Party has had such a stronghold in the state for so long mm-hmm. that we're turning into, unfortunately, we're turning into what I see in Oklahoma to where the Republican Party is beating itself up. The Democrats are irrelevant, and we just end up fighting against ourselves. Sure. And it's frustrating because you're right. We could win these seats very easily. Mm-hmm. 
And I really hope that we could start seeing some unity in the general election. Maybe the Republicans yes. will unite to go, which is what we have to do. I'm all about a primary to challenge ourselves. But when it gets vicious and we spend more money in the primary to beat ourselves as opposed to focusing it on the general election as the primary on the real enemy at stake right. here, ideologically speaking, we have a problem. But we're imploding as a as a Republican yeah. party right now. And it's frustrating and it's scary for the future of the party in a state when we're trying to maintain that majority. Yeah. And the, keep in mind, the mayor primary is a little bit different from the state primary. I mean, it in a state primary, we'd end up with the top Republican or so coming out and the top yeah. Democrat, et cetera. But in this one, it was looking for the top two vote getters. And I hope, and I'll put a little plug in for Lily Wu now, I hope all of us stand behind getting that yeah. one through because there was so many in that race that were competing against the same votes yep. that knew they weren't going to be the top ones. Why couldn't we have teamed up and, yeah. and get a couple people through there? It would have been so nice if we had a general election going in that had Brian Fry and Lily Wu yeah. into the general, because then, you know, we have our preferences between the two, but either one of them would be way better than what Brandon Whipple is right now. And the fact that Brian Fry unfortunately lost by 1% in 40,000 vote turnout within the city there, uh, and he lost by 1% against a very radical incumbent that's done nothing for the city except screw it up, uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. When we could have had two really good candidates going into the general. And I, I hate to say 1%. It was 200 and change. I'm going to say <laughs> 230, 240 votes yeah. that could have easily came back over to Mr. Fry. But again, we did. We split ourselves with many candidates that uh, knew that they probably didn't have a chance to do it, but stayed in the race just to try and pull out their, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent. Right. It's a little ridiculous. And there were several that pulled out 200 votes. Yeah. You know, 200 here and 230 there. And, you know, that could have gone somewhere else. It could have gone somewhere else. Just thinking out loud between you and I and everybody else potentially listening yeah. here. Um, what do you think Brandon Whipple would do? If one of those rented dumpsters just shows up at the Capitol or at the at City Hall with a letter for him, they'd have to have a big scar with it, though. Mm. You know, that's true. That's true. In the envelope, <laughs> we could have a cigar for it as well. Yeah. But if it just randomly oh. appeared at City Hall during the campaign, yeah. I don't, don't know. It's, 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 I wonder if he know who it would be from. Oh, I'm I'm sure he could probably. You think we it should out. do like a GoFundMe so, here on the show and yeah, uh, and do I've, something like that? I, you know, I've got less issue on that incident, <laughs> even though it was wrong. I've got less issue on that incident than I do the skating rink incident. Mm. To have the mayor and several other power, politicians come out just absolutely against the police without knowing all the facts. Yeah. You know, and when the facts came out, oh, the police is just railing on this yeah. little kid, just pulverizing him as a grown man. Yeah, but when on, the man. facts came out, I think the officer did what the officer was trained and was supposed to do, but they didn't know all the facts. And to go out publicly, it, to me, that was just shameful. Yeah, you know why? Why are we having a problem with the police force being down by a hundred positions, and you've got well over a hundred officers ready for retirement. There's an issue going on there that needs to be addressed. We wonder why crime rates are moving up here in the city of Wichita when we don't have law enforcement and then we abuse the law enforcement that we have. Well, but don't and, you know who I am? But when the law enforcement does step on, in on there, it's us that comes out and does not back them when they should be backed at times. Yeah. We we need to let them know they're, they're there for us and we need to be there, the, here for them. It's a two-way street. He's a piece of work. We got a phone call here. Let's go ahead and take a phone call on this stuff. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Good morning. Who's this? 
Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Nick, what's going on, brother? Oh, just listening and enjoying the uh, enjoying the fun. Yeah. You know, I think it's okay to lose on principle when you're talking about life. You know, if you, if you lose because you're pro-life, I think that's a good good loss. If you lose because you're against unnatural affections and you want to keep uh, marriage between man and woman, I think that's an okay loss. But what I've seen in the last, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years, back to the crop of conservatives that lost uh, the Greg Smith era, um, Mitch Holmes, and, and a few other people, uh, one, one thing is, is a common thread in that, and that's uh, agriculture commodity called cannabis or, or any plant freedom. And, and to lose on a liberty issue like that consistently year over multiple election cycles. You know, Brian Fry is a good example. Imagine if he took a more uh, conservative, limited government, individual liberty uh, stance on, on, on that plant or plants, et cetera. Would the election be the same way? I really don't think so. And I'm tired of watching good conservatives lose over that single stupid uh, issue. And, 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 and a lot of the politics comes down to one thing, greed. And I'm not talking any personal attacks on anybody, my federal senators or anything like that. But if we're going to be principled conservatives, we need to be consistent with that and not worry about the money aspect all the time. I appreciate uh, your show, Andy. Uh, God bless you, Leo. And, and that's just my two cents. And I thank you for letting me speak. Y'all have a good day. I appreciate it, Nick, very much. So I would say in response to that that you're right. I mean, what we t- what we really need to get back to, and the Republican Party here in the state tried to do this a couple years ago, and I was part of watching this process, trying to witness it all and happen uh, during the Mike Kuckelman time in the state, was working on the Republican platform, which, as you know, Leo, going to the state convention is always fun when we're voting on the state platform for sure the Republican Party. And, and we rely on them, even when we're in our little races out here in our state districts. Yeah. There's certain things you rely on that party for, you know, whether it be postage or different things. Yeah. You, you need them there. You need them there. You do need them there. But what the Republican Party has done here in the state, and again, this is nitpicking again for why we're going down this road of self-destruction, is that we've gone from setting basic principles to trying to have a specific micromanaged stance on every particular issue. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, I think the tax rate should be at this level here. Exactly. I think that we should address what's going on at the federal level with Donald Trump and and uh, take a stance here. When our platform as a Republican Party should be very simple, that we believe in life, liberty, and private property. And less government. And less government. That we should believe in a balanced budget. We should leave, believe in transparency from the government. And mm-hmm. we should believe in the free markets to be promoting and solve the issues 99.9% right. of the times. And we should have a very simple platform. We don't need a platform that addresses every particular issue. So when you talk about that certain plant, Nick, which I know you enjoy talking about, that shouldn't even be part of the platform. It should just be we support limited government, laissez-faire, free market capitalism to solve the issue. Mm -hmm. And that's where we stand on it. So when they ask, hey, what does the Republican Party in Kansas stand on legalizing marijuana? Well, we believe in limited government, period, end of story. That's how we should Mm -hmm. believe in it. That should be our platform. But we've grown to such a level 
where we are the dominant party to where even there are more independents and unregistered voters in the state than there are Democrats. We've had that stronghold for so long that we've, I, I'm just going to say, it, we've become that overbloated, corrupt party in the state that we say that we're against right. because we've had that dominant hold. And when we have that power for too long without being challenged, then we start crumbling because we don't have that foundation in that stronghold. The pendulum swings. The pendulum you know, swings. Look look at what's going on up in the Kansas City area. That used to be hardcore red, and it's purple at best, if not yeah. a pretty good shade of blue at this point in time. Yeah, and, it is. And, and, and I think that's why we're having a hard time getting money into the party. I don't know what Mike Brown is doing. I don't know why we're not seeing money come in. I don't know why people have stopped donating. I know that he did cause a lot of controversy when he got voted as the state Republican chair. But at the same time, I'm hoping as well that it's not just because of that and that people realize that there's a greater need for it, which is needing Republicans to win in the elections. So we'll see how next year turns out. Maybe it can start turning around because people will step up to do that. But the policy decisions they're making, the uproar when it comes to the chairmen's and, and the committees that they have at the statewide party have been very frustrating to watch. And we've tried to micromanage every single issue when that's not what the party's there to do. Right. And I do hope if if your ideal candidate did not make it through this last one, please, we've we've got to stand together yeah. because the other party is. How did you we know. lose the uh, governor's race when Kobach ran? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a prime example right that, that's there. That's a perfect prime example. And I, yeah. I will say we did better uh, in the last couple of elections, but how did Derek Schmidt lose? Yeah, prime example. And prime example, again, is that we have some that are so anti that – and actually, this is a national poll that 60% of people believe that if their candidate doesn't win the primary, then they're going to be worse off. They're either worse off or they just don't show up to vote. And, yeah. and, and I'm here to tell you, if you don't show up to vote, essentially, you did just vote. You did just vote. You just made your voice yeah. heard loud and clear. But, uh, we, we got just a couple of minutes here before we kind of wrap up yeah. the program. And uh, we were going to wrap up our utilities talk here. But I thought it was important to get this message out for the Republican Party because – uh, obviously, you have a race coming up next year again for the House seats. So many—I mm -hmm. mean, we have House seats, we have Senate seats, uh, we have the presidential race, we have congressional seats. We have major elections next year, mm -hmm. and we have to be prepared for that. And I don't know that we are. Well, we're we're just going to have to keep working for it. <laughs> I do want to before the time the time runs out. I want to give a, a shout out to Dalton Glasscock. Yes, he—if if I'm allowed to say it—he kicked some butt on this one. 50% uh, of the vote in his district. But I know for a fact he went out with his crews and they knocked doors. They they worked it hard and I'm I'm proud that he did that. He was amazing so. when he was the when the when he was the county chair for the mm -hmm. Republican Party because again, he knows how to campaign. Yeah. He's done that growing up. He's been involved with that for a long time. He knew how to campaign, how to get Republicans to win. So when he took that on in his own, he he dominated that. Yeah. So I'm not concerned about his race going into general. No. And I remember when I first ran back in 2016, you know, <laughs> First time out, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you're hoping the right people hold your hand. That guy sat at my kitchen table, and and we went through stuff. He says, "You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do that." Now I had some other people hold my hand. My predecessor was there helping, sure, and several others. But yeah, he took the interest, and I I always remember that, and I appreciate it. And yeah. I'm glad to see what he's doing right now. I think now. he's been out helping in some of the other campaigns as well. So. I'm pretty sure he yeah, is. He's, he's yeah. all over the place, man. Yeah. I don't know how he does. And again, so. he was he was one where he was trying to simplify that Republican platform as well at the state level and at the county level, mm -hmm. and I think was making some gains. Um, again, I don't know the, uh, uh, the the stance on the current Republican chair. 
and he may hear this, the fact that we you know, have a lot of listeners up in that area with, yeah. uh, within the Republican Party, so it may get back to him. And I do want to get him on the program at some point, but my question is, is why are we complicating the party more than what we need to when right. this is supposed to be the building year for the party, both financially for exactly. preparation for candidates, trying to get candidates lined up, and trying to get that message out to go vote. Yeah. And earlier with the, the statewide party, when they were trying to eliminate those certain positions, I... I understand when I read it what they were wanting to do, yeah. but the way they were trying to do it was so wrong. Yeah. And we just couldn't get them to back off for the longest time. And now I think they're they're paying for it. They're paying People for it. People are not donating to it. So I had also heard that that move to try and shake up those committees was not just a Kansas issue, but actually a regional issue of many state Republican yeah. parties that were trying to do the same thing. It was really what they were trying to do was align our state party with the national party. If you look at the positions they were going to have open, and I understood that. It was just the way they were doing it was wrong. It yeah. was not well communicated. It was it was wrong with a lot of a lot of reasons here. Yeah. We're out of time, my friend. All right. It flies right on by. Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't even take the break at the 50. So there we go. We just flew right through that half hour. But I appreciate the call, Nick. Great conversation. And uh, we'll, uh, now that you're focusing so much on these utilities, we're going to get you back on it. Real quickly, in about 30 seconds, do we have any info on the rate hikes from the freeze from a couple years ago as well? That investigation. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That's still being looked at. That's more than 30 seconds. That comes up all the time. That's more than 30 (laughs) seconds. I do, I will say I have been working really close with some of the commissioners and the staff at the KCC. Um, everybody in the past has always accused them, me included, yeah. of by golly, they just rubber stamp whatever the power companies want, etc. They're rolling up their sleeves this time, and I've got some high hopes what we're going to see come out of this is not exactly what was requested overall. So Shake them up, man. Hang Leo. in there with us, everybody. Uh, more to come. I love it. Leo, appreciate it. That does it for us today. Back at it next week. Until then, have a great weekend.